Today I want to talk to you about one of the greatest mysteries uh, that we find in the Word of God, and that is the incarnation. Now you say, what is that, Pastor? Well, virgin birth. Jesus was born of a virgin. How can it get any more mystical than that? I mean, try to put that in context of contemporary society and try to make sense of it. But you see, the Bible is not beyond reason. It just far exceeds our ability to reason and to understand. You see, the Bible is about God revealing himself. It's about the revealing God. God is revealing things to you. Have you ever been reading your Bible or been in a message or been in a situation where you go, I think I understand something more about God right now. There was a speaking God to you in that moment. And I hope before you leave today that you're gonna have one of those moments, those encounters of God where God says, this is for you. That applies to you. Go with that, amen? Well, I wanna take you to the book of Isaiah and chapter seven and verse 14. A lot of these scriptures are familiar because they're tied in with that Christmas message and many of you are not new to the Christian faith. But you know, there's something about going over and over similar ground that reinforces in our life what's important. All right, listen to what it says. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Now that was written about 700 BC. So 700 years before Christ, the prophet of God was spoke under the inspiration of God and said there's coming a maiden in the future and she's going to give birth. She's gonna be a virgin. It's gonna be a miraculous birth. It's gonna be a game-changing birth in all ways. So now let's fast forward up to Luke chapter one and see what it says. The angel said to her, and that's Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now let's put it in historical context. We estimate, the theologians estimate, Mary was probably between 13 and 15 years of age. That sounds wrong, right? I mean, you think about marriage today, you know, most people don't get married really, really young. And if they do, we think, what's wrong with that? But you see, in that culture, life expectancy was about 50. So by the time you hit 13, you're almost middle-aged. <laughs> what a day, amen? All right, so look what it says. Do not be afraid, for behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. This is the equivalent of the Old, word, Old Testament word Joshua. You're gonna, this is the savior idea. There's a savior coming because people need saving. You know, Tammy and I this week were on uh, TBN with Rabbi Jason. Some, some of you remember him. He's spoken here before. But um, we were just reinforced by this idea of prophecy of the Old Testament. And now we're living out in our day, day in and day out, the miracles of God where God spoke something and hundreds of years pass and then we see the fulfillment of it. In fact, more than 300 prophecies in the Bible about the coming Messiah, Jesus. It says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, what's amazing is you see that this scripture in Luke is tied to the Jewish people, isn't it? In fact, all of those prophecies are tied in with Israel. 
Uh, Israel's in the news a lot right now. We've been kind of following uh, since October 7th this this. Hamas-Israeli war, and you probably have an opinion about it. You have a thought about it. We all do. And can I just say from the start, war is always bad. Amen? And war is always bad. But sometimes war becomes necessary in certain situations. Now, we never know when to cut the line and where to do, but I want you to know something. God is going to protect Israel's future because God's future with Israel is in the future. You see, what you have to understand is that some things happen and you think you can fix them by political maneuvering or, or you can you know, come in here and make a deal and do this, but remember, everything that God is doing is laid out in such a way. You say, well, is, is that Hamas war in Scripture? It's not in Scripture, but the Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars, doesn't it? But it says, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. These things must happen. All right. So this is a part of that human dilemma. The human dilemma is that we don't always get along. Have you ever noticed that? Other than Tammy and I, I don't know anybody, you know, who who just gets along all the time like I like the two of us. Right? You know, and I'm never I'm never well, let, let me put it another way. I got to I got to live with this woman. Let me think now. How can I say this? I'm not always right, but I'm never in doubt. How does that one sound? Amen? But you see, conflict is a part of it. You realize that the conflict you experience personally, whether it's with your friend, your spouse, your family, anybody else in this world, it all goes back to the problem with, of the human, the human soul. That we're short, we fall short of God. That there's this sin problem we have to deal with. And Jesus came to solve that problem. To take away the penalty of sin, to take away the power of sin over us, and to give us purpose and meaning in life. And this is part of this Christmas story that we look at and we go, you know, only through the eyes of children, right? I mean, I love the just watching kids light up around Christmas time, and we ought to also. Read, read what it says here a little bit further, Luke chapter 135. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. So this is a miraculous birth, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God, for with God nothing is impossible. So I look at this story from a human perspective, and I say that's impossible. God says, no, what you call impossible, I call possible. I want you to think right now, what's going on in your life that you would say, I need a miracle, because it's impossible? I want you just to layer over that word impossible, the word possible. With God, it's possible. I don't see how, I don't see any way we can make this happen. Whether you got a report from a doctor, you got a report from a financial advisor, you got a report from a family counselor, you look at it and say, this is not possible. But yet with God, all things are what? Possible. Let's try it again. With God, all things are what? Possible. You see, if it's, not, if it's not an impossible situation, then you can do it. You don't need God. Let's bring God into everything we do. Let's say God from the smallest thing to the greatest thing. I want you in my life. So it goes on to say in John chapter one and verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. 
So what did God do? God took on human flesh. He was born in the likeness of man. So when you encountered Jesus, who did you encounter? It's a three-letter word. Starts with the letter G, ends with the letter D. I gave you a hint. When you encounter Jesus, who do you encounter? God. God. This is God in the flesh. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, Great indeed is the mystery that God was manifest in the flesh. This is a, minister, uh, uh, this is a mystery of God that you encountered God. In fact, one time, Philip asked the question. He said, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus said this, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you don't know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am the physical appearance, the, the manifestation of God himself. You know why they picked up stones to stone Jesus? It wasn't because he claimed to be Messiah. Many claimed to be Messiah. It wasn't because he worked miracles. Many were, were working miracles in that day. Not to the degree that Jesus was. They stoned him because him being a man claimed himself to be God. You see, this God on earth is one of those things that's so alarming and so big and so impossible that you wonder, how is this possible? But this is our faith. Do you realize that we are without the, the, the incarnation, without this miracle birth, that Christianity really falls apart because it eliminates all these scriptures, just like the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Christianity falls apart. Those are the two chief doctrines that we have to understand in scripture. You see, what happens in this time is the invisible becomes visible. Isn't that what happens when you pray and you ask God to do something? You say, this is impossible. I don't see this happening. It happens, and you go like, this is a miracle. Why? Because I now see it. Now it's been manifest in our life, in our situation. The ideal becomes real in our life. And this is what God wants us to understand, that, that the things that you hope for and the things you long for, God wants to bring reality into your life. What is it you, you really need to see God do? You ought to have a list. You ought to have a note and just say, this is what I'm trusting God for. Because also the divine, the divine becomes human. God becomes human. You could come close to him. Remember on one occasion, Jesus was walking through the crowd and he stopped and he looked at his disciples and said, who touched me? And I'm sure the disciples were laughing a little bit because they're in a crowded situation. He said, well, you know, your people are crowded all around you. Many people have touched you. He said, no, I felt the power go out of me. Now, what did that mean? God was walking through the crowd, Jesus, the Son of God, walking through the crowd. A woman went up who had a physical problem. She went up and she touched the hem of his robe, and he said, I felt the power go out of me. You see, she understood prophecy. She understood the coming Messiah of Malachi chapter 4, that when he comes, he will come with healing in his wings. What does that mean? Well, the, the rabbis will wear a prayer shawl, and the back part of that prayer shawl was called the wings. She went up and grabbed the wings of his prayer shawl, and, she, and he felt the power go out of her. I want to know, have you, are you reaching for the wings of the rabbi? Are you coming close enough to God to where you see God says, I feel the power go out? I see it. You see, that's a faith thing. I don't know about you, but, but just hearing that scripture, I think, I want to touch Jesus. Because Jesus, me touching Jesus, me coming close to Jesus, having a Jesus encounter is the only way I'm going to, I'm going to release the power of God into my situation. 
Because you see, if I live this life of Christianity and religion and everything else, and it just becomes knowledge, it just becomes going through the motions, but I don't see the manifest power of God, what good is it? If there's not transformation happening, what good is it? If my prayers are just therapeutic, why do I pray? I want to pray so that I see heaven come to earth, amen? I want to see lives changed. I want to see people saved. I want to see people who are sick be well. I want to see God do what God said he would do. I've been praying lately with greater boldness. I, I just go up into the scripture. I said, God, you said this. I'm holding you to it. Because you are the Lord, and you do not change. And you've said this in your scripture, you're a covenant-keeping God, and I call you, I call on heaven and earth, I call on you to do what you said you would do. You see, and God wants us to challenge him with the word. I remember reading one time of, of one preacher of old, and he said, they said when you heard him pray, you almost thought he was insulting God because he was calling God on the carpet for what he said in his word. God, you said it, I believe it. Now, where is it? Where is it? You say, have you, Pastor, have you ever had any prayers not answered? Absolutely. Why do you think? Well, one, the biggest thing is there's a mystery. I don't know the ultimate plan of God, but one day I will. You see, the Bible says we will know as we have been known. In other words, when you get to heaven and you're perfected, you're going to know everything about you that you wondered about you and about everybody else. You know, I always laugh. You hear me say this before, but I always laugh when people say, when I get to heaven, I got, to ask, I got a few things to talk to God about. And you think you're going to get that situation set up. God is worried about talking to you. No, he's going to give you the understanding to where you have every answer before you ever ask a question. You say, well, I didn't know heaven was like that. It's a lot better than we think, amen? Hey, if the paving material is gold and not asphalt, you know it's a good place. That's the way I look at it. It got streets of gold, amen? All right, and so God wants, us to, God wants us to lean in to the miraculous. God, I am refusing to leave until I see the answers of God. If God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm gonna say maybe it's a mystery. Maybe I didn't persevere. Maybe the time is not right. Maybe I didn't have faith, but ultimately, God, I put it in your hand. I'm putting it in your hand because I want the impossible to become possible in my life, amen? You need an impossibility list. God, these are impossible. God, I'm leaning into these li this list right here. Amen? Amen? You know, there's a great hymn that was written by Wesley, and it goes like this. Christ, by highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Please is man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is the Jehovah Sneaky because this Christmas carol is sung in malls. You hear it in the loudspeakers. They don't even know what they're playing. They're so worried about trying to get the right kind of of clothing for the right gender of people that they're getting, they're getting blown up with the Christmas carols sung over the place. You see, God will not be hid. You can't hide God. You can't hide God. During the Cold War era in East Berlin, the, the Soviets erected a tower there, a radio tower, to spy on West Berlin and beyond. 
And they built this tower up, and it was and it, it was a really kind of a marvel in that time. Tammy and I've uh, seen that that tower. We've been to Berlin, been to East Berlin, what was once East Berlin. My dad served there as an agent behind the wall in East Berlin, posing as a businessman, which is interesting. Didn't know that till he was later in life and told me some of the secrets of his military career. But they they erected this thing and they put these tiles all over it. It was kind of a reflective tile, and they wanted to just kind of show the glory of, uh, you know, of, of communism and of, of, of Soviet Union and the power and the might. And they had a problem because on day one, they noticed that somehow the, 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 just the shape of that sphere and the tiles that were on it, when the sun came up, would make a perfect cross almost throughout the day. And the Berliners who were believers uh, on both sides of the wall were, were pointing and looking at it, and they tried everything. They tried to spray the tiles. They tried to ch- mask the tiles. And finally, in desperation, the only way they could get rid of the cross was to remove the tiles. You see, he will not be hid. God always finds a way to get in your life. You try to walk away from God, he'll sneak up on you. He'll send some coworker to start talking about Jesus to you all the time. You don't want to talk about Jesus. You're still trying to straddle the fence and walk with the world instead of walk with God. But God is sneaky. He does that kind of stuff. You'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden, you'll just hear a still, small voice that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And you're trying to quiet God. God's trying to get louder. People say, Does God ever speak audibly to you? No, he speaks much louder. He gets on the inside, and everywhere I go, I'm hearing that voice, and he's saying, do you love me? Are you walking with me? You see, that's how God works in our life, amen? I want you to see the generosity of God. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Behold a star. How about the star up on the stage? How would you like to be the kid? The star role was a pretty good role, right? All you, you did was you just wandered around and, and get everybody the light. I... That would have been the job I wanted right there. Amen? (laughs) Behold a star. Look what it says. Behold a star which the wise men had seen in the east. Now let me just say for a moment here. The wise men came out of Persia. They were influenced by someone by the name of Daniel the prophet. You're coming early, brother. I'm going to be here a long time today. That's all right, brother. You're good. I love Michael. He's great. He's a new daddy, too. He's, he's... Put your hands together for Michael. He got a new baby. So Daniel was taken into exile out of Babylon. And when he was put into this, this hostile environment, he thrived because he knew his God. And so powerful was his interpretation of prophecy and so bold was his stand for God that he was elevated into that kingdom and he became over all the magicians, all the wise men in the kingdom. And guess what he was doing? He was talking about the true God. And he was talking about a coming Messiah because these scriptures were already there. These scriptures in Isaiah were already written by the time Daniel came along. And so when these wise men came, they didn't just come out of some strange place, go, I think we should just go that way. Let's leave the east and go west and see about this. No, they knew the prophecies of Scripture. 
And so these wise men, it says that, that they came from the east before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary the mother. And what did they do? They fell down and worshiped. Oh, they had pagan gods over there in Babylon. They had pagan gods over there in Persia. But guess what? They found the true God. And that when you find the true God, you only have one response. You fall down and worship the true God. You say glory unto God and you give God the glory. They fell down and worshiped. And it says they opened their treasures and they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the three most valuable resources on planet Earth at that time. Each one of them were as expensive as the other. So great was his riches, they've estimated that this could be up to, depending on the size, the, the, the approximate size of what they had, this could be up to $30 million in today's money. Which, of course, you know, today's money means nothing, amen? <laughs> and they opened their treasures and they gave it to him. I wonder if they understood what the psalmist said in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and those who dwell within. Have you stopped long enough to, to remind yourself that the earth is the Lord's? It's not yours. It doesn't belong to the countries and the nationalities. It ultimately belongs to the Lord. You see, when, when they were giving out from their, from their riches, they were really saying the, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. When I give back to God, I'm just saying it's yours anyway, God. I think it's mine, but it's not. It's yours. I give it back. How about Haggai chapter two and verse eight? The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. You know, some people, they, they buy gold and they buy silver because they want to have precious metals to, to hedge against some kind of a problem in their future. But ultimately, your best bet is with God. When you trust in the Lord with all your strength, when you don't lean on your own understanding, then he will make your, your ways uh, straight. You see, trust in the Lord cannot be beat. But you see, these understood that silver is mine and the gold is mine. And I will bring to you all that you need. I will take care of you. You know, in the month of December, we every December we have what's called a miracle offering, and this year we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing, but I want to take you through the first decade of, of the, our church here. We started in 2012, and we put a couple of pictures up here. We're just going to show you a little bit of what we did. We, one of the things we did was we bought this building, and you'll notice uh, this building that you notice there's people all around it. We all circled hands. We prayed over this building when we bought it. We purchased this building in 2013, and uh, God has blessed us in such a great way. And then uh, just a be, uh, not even a year ago now, we closed on the Influence uh, Ministry Center. That was in January 23 of this year. It seems like it's been longer than that, doesn't it? But God blessed us with that. And then our, our children's centers across the street. And we just expanded that. We now have a 2,000-square-foot uh, worship center just for our kids, uh, plus about another 4,000 square feet for ministry there. And uh, God is just doing some cool things. And we're on our next step of the journey. We really believe that we can improve the environment that, you've, that you have right here in this situation. If you were here last week, you're familiar with this. But I want you to look over at that wall, and you'll see the green tape 
right next to that reef, that whole section is coming out. And we're gonna expand our, our, our seating, expand our, our area out here on what we now call the dock, uh, and we're going to be able to, to gain about another 200 plus chairs. In fact, we'll be, the architect says we will actually be able to seat 1,100 people in this new space with a new design. So what we've done is we've reconfigured the worship center, and so the stage will be up there, and everybody will look this way, and in It'll improve the quality out here because right now most of you can't see screens, but now everyone will be able to see screens. And so this is a 3D model that we created here uh, just to kind of show what it's going to look like. Uh, I'm a little bit humored. Most people say, are we getting those round back seats? No, that's just what the program did. It's just, sorry, you know, if you're really looking for a round seat, we'll try to find you one. But, uh, but this is what God's doing right now. And so in this, we, we talk about the first decade is that of pioneers. You know, and so many times when you start a church, you're really, you're really not even sure what it's going to look like. You're not really sure what you need to put into it and if it's even going to work. And you shed a lot of tears and you have a lot of, a lot of difficult, challenging times. But, you know, once you get that foundation set, then you can go into the building mode. And we've really set up some things to build for our future. We've talked about our school, and that's a building for our future. We've also now partnered with a university in Tacoma, a Christian school, and we will be fully accredited. We'll have a university. We'll be able to brand it under our own name. It'll be Influence University. And you'll be able to get a fully accredited, fully transferable bachelor's, master's, or doctor's degree from right here on this campus. That's a building. You see, we're thinking about our future, so now we have a continuity. Once we get the high school in place and our learning center, you'll be able to go from pre-K all the way through a doctor's degree right here if you want to. If you want to just pick up a, a couple of years of general study and then transfer, you can do that too and save a lot of money, amen? You know, I know a lot of parents are concerned, like, where, where would I send my kids right now? Well, you know, there's not many schools that are still viable to send your kids to, honestly. You've probably seen what's happened to Harvard, MIT, and Penn State this year. And fortunately, uh, the president of P uh, P Penn University has resigned. Uh, good riddance, I say to her. They were questioned by Congress, and so they were exposed to be anti-Semitics and pushing that agendas in their schools. And so she stepped down. Now we just got one down, two more to go. And you see, because you see, God will not be mocked. See, this is what we have to understand. God will not be mocked in society, in your life, in this world. It may seem like there's, there, there's unnecessary delay on God's part, but I promise you, God is always working. In fact, prophet Habakkuk said, wonder and be astounded. I'm doing a work in your day that you would not believe if I told you. I could tell you my plans, but you'd go, I don't even understand that, God. And see, that's what God's doing in your life. You say, I, I don't know what God's doing in my life. Well, you just wait on God, and God will show you, and he'll bring things together in a way that you'll look back and you'll have an aha moment and go, now I understand it, God. I'm sorry I was impatient. I'm sorry I blamed you. I'm sorry I got mad at you, God, because now I understand what you're up to. And this is what we have to do. We have to live in that sweet presence of God where we say, God, I trust you even when I don't know what to do. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when everything is falling apart all around me, God, I'm gonna trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding because when I do, I go down the wrong road. 
God wants us to keep us in the right road. And so we were asking you, you know, God is gonna, uh, we need 120,000 to do this remodel in here, which is very reasonable. And we're just asking you to, to give generously and to give in a big way. When we have gifts like this, when we have challenges like this, you can't do this on just small gifts. You need small gifts and large gifts too. So pray about it, see what God shows you. Now let me just bring you to this last point today, and that is the graciousness of God. Have you ever had grace, really shown grace? Tammy and I said, you know, we pastored for many years and we went to a church in New Jersey as pastors and I think for the first time I fully saw grace worked out in a church body. I preached on grace. I said how great grace was. But there's something different when you see it worked out in your life and it's transformational. You see, little did I know that God would take us down that journey to help us to understand about grace. See, grace can be described as a lot of things, unmerited favor, unmotivated favor, God's riches at Christ's expense. However you want to think about grace, God is gracious to you. You know, I love that scripture in Psalms where it says, as the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Tears have been my only food both day and night. I long to stand before the Lord, the living Lord. You see, God is so gracious, even when you're in pursuit like that, like that deer was probably being pursued by a hunter and couldn't stop long enough to drink. And the only thing that that that, that writer said there was just like, I can't even stop to drink. I just let my tears be my sustenance. Sometimes when things are going so bad, all you can do is cry. That's all you can do. You got nothing. You don't have any words. You don't want to hear any comfort. You don't want to hear anything. You don't want to say anything. You don't want to read anything. People say, here's a scripture. You don't even hear that. All you've got is tears, but God sees those tears. I long for the Lord, the living Lord. When shall I stand before his face? Said the psalmist. God wants to be gracious. He longs to be gracious to you. In Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says, when the fullness of time came, that means the exact right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. You see, the prophets of old, they wrote about the coming Messiah, and they said, when is this gonna happen? When is this coming? They couldn't, they couldn't pinpoint the exact time, but God said, I came at exactly the right time in the perfect time. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about that. It's not hard to convince people they've done something wrong. If I, if I say, are you a sinner? Most people outside of the faith will say, no, I'm not a sinner. And what they mean is I haven't created some horrible sin. But you see, to fall short of God. See, the qualification to get into heaven is you never sin. How many of you would say, well, a little late for that one, amen? But Jesus said, but I have a provision for you for your problem. I took sin on your behalf. I died in your place. I became your substitute for sin. I died for that penalty of sin. I was buried, according to the scriptures, I rose from the dead to give you life. You need forgiveness of sin and you need new life to enter heaven. 
He said that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, God sees me through his blood, through his righteousness. He says, you are righteous, Phil, even though you don't always do what's right. You're righteous, Phil, even though you're not perfect because you're forgiven. I don't know about you. I like being forgiven. Amen? I like that better than not being forgiven. How about you? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You know what real riches is? It's really not having a lot of money. I've been on the deathbed of people that were extremely wealthy. And they said, if I only had one more day, if I could only go back in time, if I could only live my life different. I've been at the deathbed of very poor people, extremely poor people. And they said, you know, I'm happy with my life. I've done everything I needed to do. I've loved everybody I needed to love. You see, what's riches? It's having a relationship with God that makes sense. That you're not, you don't got a lot of unstuffed, you know, untold things and undone things you have to do. But you say, you know what, I, right now I am at peace with God. A peace that passes all understanding with God. And if you have that, you're a rich person, amen? You're a rich person. If God blesses you with financial wealth, then use it for the glory of God. If God blesses you with long life, use it for the glory of God. God gives you a skill and a talent, use it for the glory of God. Whatever you have, whatever, whatever is in your possession, use it until the day that you leave this planet for the glory of God. Amen? I want you to stand with me right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to thank God for his riches in Christ Jesus. Remember, we, we said earlier that what's impossible with man is possible with God. I want to bring you back to that point because some of you right now have got some impossible things on your mind. You've got something you're carrying, some burden you have. I want you just to put that before God and say, I want that to be possible, God. I will trust you, even in delays, I will trust you if the answer is, is different than I expect, but God, I'm asking you to move into my situation in this, in this particular way. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his power and his joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll take your word and you'll apply it to our hearts, God. God, we know that without you, we are poor indeed. But with you, God, we're rich and we're blessed. God, let us, let us do an inventory, God, every day of what we have and not of what we don't have. Teach us to be grateful. Teach us to say thank you. Teach us to be loving and kind to everyone we see. And God, as we, as we give this to you, Father, we just give it to you in Jesus' name. If today you're, you're here and you're not certain about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins that you were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith right now, Jesus, right now I say, save me. Save me, Lord Jesus, right now. Holy Spirit, come live in my heart right now. If that was your prayer, and it was your faith, my words, but your faith, 
Would you thank him right now where you stand or sit and just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me right now? If that was your prayer, would you just lift your hand up and say, I just want to confess before men right now with, with, in this crowd, I received Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.